G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann, and today I'm back with another inside story where I'm chatting to Regan about his three property purchases so far, the hard work he's done along the way and how it's all paying off for him and his family. He's taken the approach of mixing, investing and personal living and there's lots we can learn. It's going to be a two-parter. In this first part, we're going to go through his Beckenham and Gosnell's purchase and make sure you stick around for part two, which is jam-packed with uh, plenty of upside and uh, learnings from his Mount Hawthorne purchase. So I know there's a lot of similarities on this one to Cameron's story on not choosing people to be the same and have done the same things, but these two younger guys have taken a lot of action and were just the two first two people that came to mind. So let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. G'day, Regan. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. I'm really excited to get inside your story. G'day, Jared. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, got lots to cover. This, this might end up being a two-parter, I think, because uh, you've done a few things in property so far. So, lots to unpack today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, give us a bit of background on yourself and what you do for a living to paint the picture for us. Yep. So, um, I'm a 29-year-old chartered accountant working in two dual roles. So, Basically, I'm a management accountant and company secretary for a local uh, engineering company and also a listed mineral exploration company. Oh, well, let's keep it interesting having two different roles and you must yeah. know the numbers pretty well when it comes to things. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it makes the month end uh, pretty stressful though, <laughs> a lot to do. So, yeah, and I guess adding to that, uh, my wife, who's um, obviously a big part of the picture, uh, Kimberly, she's a 29-year-old secondary teacher, um, currently on maternity leave after the birth of our second child. Got to love teachers and everything they do for our kids, don't yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And how old's your youngest one now? Um, so she was born on the 31st of December, so she's ah. just gone past two months. Yes, so you've got your work cut out for you at the moment. And but, uh, uh, she's probably running around. Say it was yeah. a girl? Yeah, girl, yep. Yeah, so she's Sleeping doing pretty well. well, but um, the different schedule when you've got a toddler and a newborn is, is um, what makes it very difficult. That's what everyone says, and mm. we're yet to have a second. Might be on the cards, but we'll see see what happens, as they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, it all goes well. So, um, has Kimberly been pretty involved with your investing along the way? I know some couples, uh, one person does. A lot, of, a lot of it and the other one just goes along for the ride and sometimes you get different roles depending on your skills. How's that sort of come about for you both? Yeah, the dynamic actually works quite well. Um, Kimberly is naturally frugal, which is good. So when it comes to spending, oh, good. Um, there's never any issues there. <laughs> um, when it comes to share investing, she tends to just accept what I say. I'm, I'm obviously more interested in that than she is. So that's good. But um, when it comes to property, it's very much 50-50. Um, but the good thing is we are pretty much always on the same page, no, whether good. it's coming to purchase a property or renovating the property or the style that we like, everything is almost the same. Well, it's good that you can bounce that around together and reach a consensus and yeah. seem, have the same goals and 
I'm sure exactly. as we unpack for everyone, you've involved your home with your investing a lot. So it even makes it closer to home with your decisions, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It almost sort of crosses the lines a little bit, though, where you've got that sort of emotional decision and financial decision. So uh, you sort of really need to get that quite clear when you're sort of taking on the strategy that we have so far. Yeah, good one. And tell us, how did you originally come across the idea of property investing? Because everyone discovers it in a different way. Yeah, I think um, for me, it's just been quite a natural interest, to be honest. Um, always been interested in the TV shows like The Block, Unreal Estate, Grand Designs and that sort of thing. Yeah, cool. Um, and, you know, my father, who's um, still living in New Zealand, where I'm from originally, you know, would buy and sell properties throughout the years. And I think I sort of vicariously learned that way. He was always mm. telling me how he regrets selling particular properties. And <laughs> I think that's when I first realised that, you know, I want to be purchasing properties and holding them long term. And has he done pretty well during the recent booms over there? Yeah, he's done um, quite well for himself, definitely. He's in Auckland, which is where oh, yeah. um, most of the demand seems to be in those price rises. So Yeah, I've um, got um, family on my dad's side in Auckland and hoping to get across there if this the travel bubble existed for a little while didn't it and then it, yeah, and then it yeah, burst before anyone really got to go between uh, the two yeah places so hoping to get back there would be good yeah, shouldn't be too much longer before we can get there so it could be one of the only places where a coffee costs more because I think it on my last holiday it did yeah, <laughs> so yeah exactly. it, might, it might be even more now than Perth that's right. And even with the way petrol prices have gone here recently, petrol's more expensive over there. So Okay. And how did that sort of evolve from your dad seeing what your dad was doing and Yeah, we um obviously speak on the phone quite regularly. So, you know, as things happen, whether he sold a property or or just having a general conversation and he brings up a property that he purchased back in the day, he would always tell me the good things about it and also what he would wish he had done differently. So oh, yeah. I remember one example he gave me of a property that he thought he could sell it himself without using an agent obviously he did sell the property but in hindsight could have made significantly more had he had someone who was completely aware of the market and sort of understood how to market that property and maximize the return and just for the record i haven't you know told you to share that uh, story <laughs> have i <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Tee you up beforehand. Oh, yeah, must use uh, sales agents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you've had a bit of exposure to seeing behind the scenes of how people have gone in property from your yeah. accounting side as well. Yeah, you? yeah, exactly right. So, um, before my current role, I was working in business advisory, so tax returns and that sort of thing. And, you know, a lot of those sort of high net worth individuals have property. Um, so, you see all sorts of different properties and different types of investment strategies, whether that's just renting out long-term or if it's Airbnb or the developing or subdividing. Yeah, so, you know, you sort of get to see other people's numbers, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, that'd be cool. Just yeah. looking at the balance sheets and, yeah. and cash flow statements and seeing, you know, you can pretty much pull apart how yeah. someone's whole, uh, you know, investing's done from, from mm. the accounting side, couldn't you? Yeah, exactly right. And particularly with a lot of the older clients who have, you know, significant wealth, you can almost break it down and see where that wealth has come from over time. Oh, and that it, to an extent sort of paints a picture for you that you can sort of replicate. Yeah, good. So very fortunate in that sense. It's uh, always good when you meet an older investor and, you know, they've had time, they've let time do the heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. 
all yeah. of them, but also made some good choices and, and held on where many people sell and might not see the benefits. So yeah, yeah. So where else have you kind of learned about investing then? Um, yeah, so I guess similar to a lot of people really, you know, there's the podcast. So um, I listen to your podcast obviously quite a bit. The Property Couch was the other one. That was the first um, yeah, Bryce. property-related. Yeah, before. It's good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's the first property-related podcast that I started listening to and I just was obsessed with it. So the drive to work and drive home, I was constantly <laughs> listening. You can get through a lot, can't you? When yeah. Some of my mates are always like, how do you like continuously learn all the time and you're just always talking about new books, new ideas and I'm like, man, I do. I just, every time I'm driving, every time I'm in the gym, when I walk to drop my daughter at um, daycare, doing chores yeah, yeah, <laughs> around exactly. the house makes Make it all it bearable. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so certainly what, better than listening to commercial radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what else um, have you found uh, has helped in learning? Yeah, so other than podcasts, um, the other big one was networking, so learning from family and friends who um, have either done it themselves before or work in the industry. And I've never been shy to just ask the question. So, you know, as I build up my network, if I'm unsure of something, then I'm more than willing to ask someone that I think would know the answer. I've also learned a lot just by doing. So I think where I am now versus where I was when we purchased our first property, that's come a long way just from doing and experiencing it. And that's a good one too to touch on because so many people I meet them, they've got lots of grand plans. I meet them again in four or five years. Oh, you, you know, what have you got? What have you done since? And they've had the the capacity to do it. They've known enough to take action and then you bump into them and they still haven't done anything and they could have had, you know, lots of learnings in between and they might not have got it all right, but um, it's yeah. like my first few purchases as well. I'm sure you've learned a lot from yours. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's always something to be learned from. From every purchase, I suppose. So even the bad ones. <laughs> yeah, especially the on bad my ones. side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but other than that, there's um, you know I've researched strategies online, or even gotten good information from social media. So different communities on Facebook or um, even TikTok. There's people who post different content on there, and lots of things to learn. Then, of course, the traditional method of uh, reading books which is not necessarily my forte, but I've, I've read the occasional finance book. Mm, it's good when you can get the time. Harder mm. with kids, though. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Might get a few pages done <laughs> before you yeah. have to put it down. So That's tell right. us about your uh, first purchase in Beckenham, it was. Yes, so um, we purchased our first property in Beckenham in March of 2015. That was $407,500, so pretty well near the peak of the market. An interesting uh, offer price there too, making it a more of a random one. <laughs> yeah, well, it's actually funny how it happened. Um, our original offer was four hundred five, but uh, when we were inspecting the property, the owner was actually there at the time, and obviously, so oh, yeah. was the real estate agent. So, I just pulled the agent aside and said, "Hey, we want to offer four hundred five. Um, she was like, "Oh, I'll go ask him." Walks outside, <laughs> asks him. He, he comes back and says, "Oh, he really wants four ten." And I said, oh, five grand, but I'll meet you in the middle. Okay. And then they said yes. And then we drove to the office and signed up the paperwork after that on that basis. So yeah, wow. um, that's how it ended up at that number. You will split the difference. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It worked out yeah. all right. Um, so and that would have yeah. been uh, towards the, the upper part of the market there in 2015, yes. wouldn't it? And yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So I guess it was when we, 
I guess when we think back, how did you feel? Did you know it was the top of the market? Because even when I was, I'm doing this every week, I didn't necessarily know it was the top and yeah. we were all kind of hoping we'd get an extra run on uh, yeah. and things had, hadn't gone crazy to that point. But Yeah, so I think um, in terms of understanding the market as a whole, I was probably a little bit naive to it, but I had taken the view that we're going to be owning this property long term, so I'm not too fussed. Um, yeah. There's near the peak of the market, and that might be just a simplified way of putting it, but I really I guess it was really going to be your home as well. So exactly, as you yeah. say, a bit of a mixed decision. It's yeah, not like you're going to uh, be, oh, I think I won't buy a home and not have that security that's involved with it as well. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, and we were sort of walking through the property and seeing uh, the ways we could add value as well. So, um, you know, we tried to factor that in as well. Um, it was a three by one when we purchased the property. It's on 500 square metres. Uh, I think one of the biggest value adds that we did was um, turning it into a three by two, just using the existing under roof space that was already there. Yeah, so yeah. we turned the existing bathroom into a bathroom laundry combo, sort of what you see in apartments, yeah. and then converted the laundry into an ensuite bathroom. Okay. So, you know, we could sort of see those possibilities when we were looking through the property and that excited us. And I was surprised to see that the price wasn't worth more at the moment, um, mm. likely sort of 440 460 yeah. And maybe I'd get more, that's kind of a logical price. But I guess after everything you've spent, probably not the greatest return to date, but um, also learned a lot of lessons from it. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's it's probably worth roughly what we paid for it plus all the renovation costs over the years yeah. um, but again we learned a lot doing the renovations we enjoyed the property and those renovations have allowed us to get a good tenant in there yeah extra rental so, return i guess as well yeah yeah exactly. i guess some other some of the other properties in that area might still not be back to where they were so yeah. you've got to consider the value added to keep it mm. closer to even yeah exactly right and so you moved out to Gosnell's it was, wasn't it, in August 2020? Yes, that's right. So um, we had purchased a property in Gosnell's in July 2019, I think it was, maybe okay. 2019. We purchased or acquired that property, um, I guess, with the intent of tidying it up because we could see it was really quite run down. So we, it was an opportunistic acquisition, really. We didn't necessarily consider typical fundamentals. We just saw a property and said, that hasn't been looked after. I think we can tidy it up. Um, so, for example, the yard at the front and the back had not been maintained in, it must have been years. It literally looked it like a jungle, jungle, was it? Yeah, <laughs> there was literally a family of stray cats living in the backyard. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so, yeah, before we moved in, we had tenants living there as well. So, um, at, when we were able to get them out, there was a small window there where I was able to catch all of those cats and have them... <laughs> um, <laughs> safely rehomed before my 45 kilo dog arrived and oh, yeah, started got rid of them himself. Himself. <laughs> yeah. and um i should have asked was there any sort of key learnings on the beckenham one first before we move on to gosnell's was there anything that in reflection you took yeah. away from yep. the decisions and what you've where you've come to since yeah definitely i think there was probably a number of key learnings um not all of them financial um so the big one was similar to before, just doing. So doing all of these renovations myself, you know, I learned a lot 
uh, about just general hands-on skills, but also um, where you can add value through renovations. So work out what you don't want to do as well and what's not, yeah. worth, not worth doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Or what's worth just paying someone to do yeah. rather than attempting to do it yourself. So I did a lot of the, the smaller things, whether it was installing the splashback or the range hood, did some of the bigger things as well, but understood where it was worth paying someone. So tiling the entire floor, I could have done it, but with the intricate cuts that are sometimes required and the fact that you want it to be very level, I thought for such a large area, I'd rather just pay someone and have it done professionally. That's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other learnings, I suppose, were um, understanding your timeframes. So as I said, or as you said, we purchased near the top of the market. That would probably spook a lot of people as those prices start to decline. Uh, but for us, we sort of just wrote it out. It was okay. We knew we were going to hold the property long term. We were living in there, so it wasn't the end of the world. And um, I think that kind of yeah emphasised that if you if you know what your timeframes are, then you shouldn't be too concerned. Yeah, that's it. Um, and I'm sure if we touch base with you again in 12 or 24 months, Beckenham will have had its kick over the next six to 12 months, hopefully. And you I've know. got my fingers crossed for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess the other learning. I guess you learned a lot about the purchase process and uh, yes sorry that's what yeah. i was looking for so um yeah we learn a lot about that purchase process understanding mortgages and just general home ownership as well which i think probably comes from it being your first home so i think very similar learnings to what a lot of people would get in that situation yeah and um you mentioned earlier that you, it was a mix of sort of financial and emotional drivers so i guess yeah. it's harder to wear the two hats isn't it Yes, it is. Yeah, certainly. So I think that was one of the things purchasing this property. We were happy that it was this property and not one of the others that we had previously put offers on. We sort of felt fortuitous in the sense that it it was the right property for us after the offer was accepted. Um, but you do look back in hindsight and say, should I have waited or should I have offered less or should I have done something differently? But again, with us understanding our timeframes, in that situation, it was okay to, to sort of not stress about it. Yeah, and probably picked up a, a lot more about the fundamentals that, that drive growth since I yes. mentioned. Yeah, exactly right. So there, there are some good fundamentals with this property in Beckenham. So it's very close to Mills Park, which anyone who's been there would know how, how great it is there. It's obviously very close to Carousel and the Beckenham train station, but there are other fundamentals there that aren't quite as appealing so one thing i learned while we owned the property was that that little pocket of beckenham being closer to row highway and having that sort of road noise although it does become background noise has sort of hamstringed that that little pocket to mm. an extent so it was probably perception more than reality yeah, often yeah with, exactly. the, with the road noise yeah exactly right it, it becomes background noise and you don't even notice it when you're living there but if someone was to stand out in the street while it's quiet, yeah, they're going to hear Row Highway. Yeah. And what are the school zones there like? You, you um, may not have looked if, if you, yeah, depending well, on the age of your kids. Yeah. Well, when we... Um, not for the latest one anyway. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, absolutely not. But our third acquisition was solely because of the school zones, or at least that's the driver that motivated mm. us to move on. Um, so I obviously let my wife do all the research around the school zones, but we came to the conclusion that, they're probably not the kind of schools that we want our children going to. Mm. There was one child at the time, but 
particularly when we were in a position to be able to get into a better school zone. So, you know, those those schools that Theodore, our oldest, would have gone to, they would be fine, but we had the ability to get him into a better school by acquiring mm. more property. So we chose to do that. And I guess that's the the driving desire from lots of other people all trying to do the same that, you know, mm. gives these areas they're higher than average average annual growth rate over time and i did do it exactly. in the last episode yep. purely on school zones which um sort of showed that there's a, at least a two percent difference on a good school suburb versus a neighboring suburb that isn't in that catchment so yeah right well no, that's certainly interesting and it adds up over 30 years like just compounding something at five hundred thousand over 30 years adds mm. an extra 1.1 million dollars so if you're buying at a higher price point too at a mill like imagine what that mm. i haven't actually compounded out a mill plus but it'll be a lot <laughs> yeah substantial absolutely and the school zones it's it's all about that own occupier repeal exactly all part of it so so tell us about the gosnell's purchase that was where you then you moved from beckenham into gosnell's and you were saying that it was a bit of an opportunistic one because it needed lots of work. Uh, yep. What was the property sort of type there and size and stuff? Give us the rundown. Yeah, so it's a four by two uh, with two big living rooms on 819 square metres. It's zoned R20 slash 30. So we knew it had um, the ability to be subdivided and bonus to that, um, retain the existing dwelling. Yep. So that was quite exciting. The other thing that made it opportunistic was that Walking through the house, you could see where things needed to be tidied up. So, for example, um, the second living room, which is out at the back of the house, I knew the structure was done professionally. It was all steel framed, etc. But the inside had clearly been done as a home job, probably to save money. So I literally just had to rip down the walls, rip down the ceiling, re-jip rock it, put new weatherboard on the outside, paint it, new lights, and it was as good as new. But it was, it was pretty ugly looking before that to be honest <laughs> and what did you buy the place for that sort of price? yep so 315 315,000 so I think uh, that price probably reflected the state of the property at the time or at least I hope it did yeah. um, and the market was a bit down in 2019 yep. still in June odd when you bought it so good timing yeah, exactly. we could all go back and load up uh, right <laughs> before the, <laughs> the take yeah. hindsight's yeah. always beautiful yeah, that's right. It's 2020. So, um, yeah, I think you've you've noted here that the likely price is 400 to 430, which um, is fantastic. Obviously, we've done a fair bit of work so far, but the intention of moving into that property was to give me more time to be able to do some of that work um, myself. Obviously, yeah. having a family, it's it's um, not turned out the way I expected. It's taken me longer than I thought, <laughs> but I'll get there in the long run. Yeah, well, if I'm Working on the family takes uh, a lot of effort too. <laughs> Absolutely. And take us through some of the other aspects of this one. What were your learnings and what might you do differently next time for Gosnells? Yeah, so one thing we picked up after moving into the house is that you should always have a pre-purchase plumbing inspection done. So I found there was a pretty nasty blockage in the shower. The previous owner had dumped all sorts of stuff down there, Band-Aids, oh, um, cotton buds. There were nails down there. Don't know how they got in there, but there were nails. So I managed to clear it myself, but it made me um, see the value. In the- <laughs> yeah. Stick with us, listeners. Yeah, exactly. Things are getting better towards the end or in part two. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. 
yeah, it was it was not a fun time, that's for sure. It could have been one year outsourced, I think. <laughs> I probably should have in hindsight, but, um, you know, I stuck with it, got it done, and now the water <laughs> flows freely, so that's the main thing. So, yeah, there's that. I, I think there's value in pre-purchase plumbing inspections because you'll understand, A, blockages, but B, where all the plumbing runs and if there's any sort of general issues there. So plumbing runs under concrete slabs and through the middle of the yard when you're looking to subdivide or anything like that you know you can pick those sorts of things up and as I just mentioned life gets busy so I really decided at that point it's okay to pay a professional to assist with the work we're getting done it's really just a question of the value of my time so if I can see the value in paying someone to paint the house instead of painting it myself then I'm okay to do that now whereas I think with Beckenham I took a much more hands-on approach for more things Whereas with this property, which we're currently still renovating, if I can do it myself but don't have the time, it doesn't bother me too much. I'll pay someone and, and move on. At least you kind of know what's involved and if someone's yeah. re- trying to rip you off. Yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> so. right. Yeah, So, yeah, that's good. Um, the other thing, being an opportunistic acquisition, I think I mentioned just a moment ago, we sort of ignored the fundamentals to an extent. So even though Gosnell's really isn't that far from the city, we didn't consider things like proximity to the city or school zones or what amenities are nearby and train stations and stuff like that. So mm. I guess okay you've, got the, you've got the value add potential and with yeah. having added, oh, you, you can obviously still be subdivided, which you could either leave for someone else and do yourself. And, yeah, and exactly. with the improvements you've made and yeah. the actual cash you've put in, I'm sure if you rented it out, it would be decently cash flow positive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think Gosnell's probably is gentrifying slowly. So it could be a point in time where, um, you know, all those fundamentals that I just mentioned aren't too much of a concern. That's bad. Um, yeah. But I think it's it does have a bit of a stigma being Gosnell's. Yeah. Where we are, there's there's no real issues and it's actually pretty quiet. But um, people will always have that perception of Gosnell's. Yeah. I say to um, my staff, um, I'm going out to look at a property in Gosnell's. Um, if I don't come back, well, I'm back without my car. You know, that's where I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, come look and send a search party. Yeah, so yeah. thankfully. <laughs> the other learning as well, speaking of subdivision, is um, we immediately began down the path of trying to subdivide this property after we acquired it, which is fine. We got the approvals and, you know, did a few of the surveys and whatnot, but, we subsequently decided that it didn't make sense at that point in time financially. So we still have the approval, which expires in August 2022 this year. We're not proceeding mm. with that. So we've literally just burned $12,000. Yeah. You can probably get an extension on it for not much money, which will be right. probably worth doing. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, a lot of outlay when you're not directly getting a return. Yeah, exactly. It, so. Yeah. My initial thought was, you know, purchase it, tidy it up, subdivide it, sell off the vacant lot, rent out the front dwelling and move on. My wife was saying we should slow down and not do it. And turns out she was right. We should have slowed down and not done mm-hmm. it. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to look into getting that extension. Actually, I didn't know that was possible. So yeah, definitely worth doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for coming along, uh, Regan, to share your story with us so far. We're going to have to break this up into a two-parter. And next time, I'm really excited to be getting stuck into your Mount Hawthorne project. Plenty of upside profits in that one and learning so far. So that's going to be exciting. And we're going to step into the subdivision, the building of the home. And we're going to reflect back on some of your 
key takeaways and learnings on your investing journey so far, what you see for the Perth market ahead and your future plans. So lots to cover next time. I'll catch you on the second part.